0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to Dare Great Things. And here is your host as we Dare Great Things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president
1: and founder of the St. John Institute. The key that determines the success of every great endeavor is whether or not we actually do it. Planning, scheming, dreaming, all these things are fine, But in the final analysis, only doing a deed will get the deed done. But getting things done is hard. Things can arise that we did not plan. Energy can wane. Situations can change. It's a good thing that God is on our side. And leading out of a place of faith helps you to bend and not break. Welcome back everybody, I'm glad to be back with you here to continue our class together that we're taking on this method for leadership that we call Audeo, right, Audeo, A-U-D-E-O spells the Latin word for I dare, and the idea is really simple, if all of our leadership is expressed in action, and every action produces an influence on others, well then the effect of our leadership will really depend upon the quality of our actions, Okay, so then if you break down what is at the root of every action, and there's the four stages that St. Thomas Aquinas uh, comes up with, and that I've codified in these four letters, right? A, at aspire, the ability to dream and to come up with something that you desire to accomplish or achieve. You is the the understanding and it's the ability to plan and to be aware of what your circumstances are and to link them to the best solution for how you can effectuate the change you want to in the, the world that's around you. And then you have D. D stands for drive and there's two parts to it. The first part is that you need to initiate the drive, actually take the plunge. We talked about this last week. And then the second part of DRIVE is that you need to carry through, regardless of the circumstances that are around you, to adapt and to pivot so that you can achieve your goal in reality, okay? And that second part of DRIVE is what we're going to focus in on today. And of course, it finishes with EO, standing for Engage Others, and that's your ability to create a team and to bring the people who are, quote unquote, under you, along with you, into your leadership. And what's neat about that whole process is that it dovetails perfectly with grace and with our Catholic faith, because as Christian people, we know that God's Holy Spirit lives within us and that we are nothing but God's instruments through whom he accomplishes his great plans for the world. And so the question is, where do I stop and God starts or where does God start and I stop? And there's a theology behind this that we call the theology of nature and grace. Now, I know that most of you are, you know, not really into that because, I mean, you've got to be a theologian to really get into it, but it is a profound question. And it's simply how much of my leadership comes from me and how much of the influence in my life is determined by me? Where does God start? And it's a question that a lot of leaders face because you're people of success, you're people who have worked hard in your life to be where you are. And then you meet a faith that says it's all about God and it's all about Jesus. And it can be really confusing because you're like, if God wanted me to do something, he would tell me what to do. And yet I don't hear him telling me what to do. So does that mean that I'm sinning by just doing what I want to do all the time? It feels like God is far away from my life. And yet when I read the Christian doctrine and I read the lives of the saints, it seems like for them anyway, it was all about God and God was the one working through them. And so that leaves us with a a, a question. What does it mean to be a Christian leader or a Christian mother or a Christian dad or a Christian worker or a Christian anything? What does it mean to be a Christian, right? Is being a Christian uh, so part of who I am that I can't separate myself from it? And if that's the case, well, then how do I reconcile that with the fact that I feel like I'm living my own life? I feel like this is all about me. And, and that, that intersection between the two, one place where you can really see it and where you can find a way to reconcile those two things is in the understanding of our own actions. That my action, which originates in me, originates in me with God's help and that God's grace doesn't take away my own ownership of my action. In fact, it heightens it, and it pushes me to cooperate with it to make my action even more perfect than it would be without grace. So the idea is, St. Augustine, who says it so beautifully, that God who made us without us will not redeem us without us which means that as as God made us and is giving us grace in our life and has given us new birth, he still asks us to live, to choose, to act, to influence. And therefore our leadership, where we exert ourselves towards what is good in the world in order to leave an impact in the lives of other people, which influences them to do what is good, becomes a tool by which God using that And enhancing that effort to lead actually leaves his impact in the world through us. Okay. What is so important here is to remember that our action, therefore, becomes the place through which God acts. Okay. So when we look at the four aspects of a human action and we focus in what we're doing today here on drive, we're talking about a story that is written in your own history, about the the tasks you need to perform, about all of the challenges that are in front of you. And maybe this is where some of you really struggle. Maybe it's a a really hard thing for you personally to persevere through adversity. When conflict hits or when, when failure is near, anxiety can flourish. And we can feel like the best answer and the only answer is to run away from the dilemma that's in front of us, right? Be it anxiety, be it, be it conflict aversion, or just be it tiredness and fatigue from pushing yourself for so many years through so many obstacles, there comes a time when all of us need to, to, to ask the question, how am I going to be able to do the good things that not only I know I should do or that I want to do? But even the plans and the choices that I've made in order to accomplish them. It's one thing to talk the talk, but walking the walk requires a whole different set of skills because when you walk the walk man, suddenly you're encountering things that you could never plan for things that you just couldn't anticipate, right? I remember one time I went to see a mentor of mine to, to ask for advice about a situation I was facing. And I remember him chuckling and he just said, Hey, Father, you know what to do when life throws you curveballs? And I said, No, what do you do? And he said, Knock them out of the ballpark. <laughs> and I thought that was just so great. What a what common sense. When life throws you curveballs, knock a home run, right? That's the idea. And, and it'd be well, that's easy to say for people who have been through it. But when you're first starting out or when you get thrown balls that you just never anticipated happening, you need to draw on a different set of strengths than the strengths that got you to where you are now. It's not the planning strength, it's not the dreaming strength that's going to get you through the maze and the jungle that reality will present to you. From changing market conditions, to employees that didn't, that have problems you didn't realize that they had, to funding that drops out of your way, to competition that can can increase, to your own uh, sense of health and your own mental well-being that can take hits in many ways there's a whole different approach that we need to take it's one thing to talk about business and one thing to dream about great things and yet it's another thing to actually do them to do them effectively and to do them in whatever changing environment there is and our faith can help us there in key ways as a matter of fact I want to look at with the life of St. Paul with you as an example of this type of grit that's that we all need in our lives, wherever we are, as we lead.
0: Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.saintjohnleadershipnetwork.org/member and join for free today.
1: And so we all acknowledge that there's a different skill set that's needed to get a project done that's distinct from the the planning phase, that's distinct from team building or winning over people to your cause. There's, There's a need for drivers in the world. And when you have one working for you, it's one of your greatest blessings as an employer, right? Because it's so nice to have people that just seem to live and breathe the, the need to effectuate things, to get tasks done, to move a project from A to B to C to D. And, and that type of energy is wonderful. I just wonder what the secret is behind it, right? Like how, how do I master that? Because if I could use that same energy in my personal life, I mean, imagine if, if I knew that I had to get my prayer done every single day and I could accomplish it. Or, you know, it's like that old joke about mothers that I think is so funny when one mom turns to the other mom and says, you know, do you ever wish someone was there for you always? There, that there would just be somebody in the world that would always be there for you. And then the other mom says to her, yeah, I have someone like that. Who is that? Laundry. Laundry is always there. <laughs> There's always more of it. And it always wants me. You know, I think that was really kind of a funny joke, right? Because like, that's the reality of our life. I mean, our life is filled with tasks. You, you finish one day and you can congratulate yourself for making it through it, but the sun will come up tomorrow. That's for sure. And we're going to have to do it all over again. And, and this is this type of grittiness of soul that allows you to, to dig through, to push through, to conquer and to move forward, has a unique characteristic to it that some people have developed, that some people simply inherited by their genes, and yet that some people really struggle with. I mean, when, they don't, when the going gets tough, which way do you go? Do you get going or do you get going, <laughs> right? Like, then you have two kinds of people in the world, right? And, and how do I develop that stamina? that allows me to almost do what the musicians do. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but there's a technique that trumpeters have mastered called circular breathing. And not everybody can do it, but some people have trained themselves that as they're playing the trumpet and breathing out, they're actually simultaneously breathing in, right? It's an amazing feat because that allows them to just never stop the music as the notes go because they're literally breathing in through their nose while they're breathing out through their mouth called circular breathing. And that technique is a great example of what we need to find in our own lives and in our own way to keep us going. I mean, if you know that the laundry you just folded will be all unfolded in a matter of an hour and that the meal that you just made will have to now be completed by the dishes and then be remade again tomorrow, you need to adapt a mindset that somehow sees the grind as an advantage and is able to look and see progress, even in the midst of the the difficulties and the constancy of the challenge. It's a head game, grit. Grit is not just a, a matter of the will. It's much more a matter of the mind. It's a matter of training yourself to look beyond the constancy of what does not change in order to see the progress and to see the purpose that's present they're in the conflict and in the difficulty and in the challenge. And that mindset is where Christ comes in. I mean, just look at the life of St. Paul as a great example of that. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul actually lists off for us the many sufferings that he went through in order to proclaim the gospel. And it's really an astounding list. I don't know why we don't preach about this more uh, because it's very inspirational and very helpful for us because sometimes I think we imagine being an apostle means you have it made. But when you listen to it, he says, I have worked harder than all the other apostles I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brethren. I have labored and toiled and have gone often without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have more often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides all else, I face the daily anxiety of my concern for all the churches. I mean, like that's quite a list, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And, and it, it, you would never imagine that an apostle would have it so tough. I mean, if God blessed us and blesses us, how could he let us who are trying to do such good things suffer the way that we do? And I think that therein, there's a real secret for us. God never allows us to do something that's bad for us God never wants us to do or suffer things that are are wrong or bad for us. Everything that we go through by his providence has been arranged to perfect us and sanctify us and make us better. And so the challenges that we face in launching our businesses or keeping our businesses open or managing our people or reinventing ourselves. I remember talking to one woman who started her own business, God bless her, and she's doing, you know, fine. But like in order to make the thing work, she has to constantly change the business model around. And she was talking with one of her mentors and, and complaining about this saying, all I wanted to do was wash, rinse, and repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, and make money from it. And the business mentor just was laughing, you know, and saying like, welcome to entrepreneurial business, right? It's not a matter of wash, rinse, and repeat. Maybe if you're a big company, you can do that. But the rest of us have to constantly be nimble and agile and able to bend without breaking. It's actually the secret to not breaking is your ability to bend. Uh, The perfection of grit is found in your flexibility, right? If grit looks most perfect in someone who's willing and able to pivot wherever they are, have enough fight in their soul to abandon the appearances of victory in the eyes of others and to abandon maybe our own desire for security to just have a wash, rinse, repeat world, right? And instead embrace reality for what it is and drive the project home in a way that might look different than the way we initially planned, but in a way that will ultimately prove successful in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Reality dictates victory. You cannot be victorious in a setting, in an environment that you simply disparage or wish constantly was different than the one that you have. That's the opposite of the mindset that you need to be successful. When you're driving a project forward, and especially if you're a Christian, you need to be open to the, 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 what God wants to accomplish in that project and the way that God wants you to accomplish it. And that also looks like the grittiness of someone willing to pivot in circumstances, reinvent the thing if they have to, but who simply will not give up. And here's why. Because we've learned to love the fight more than we've learned to desire it's absence. I I think this is such an important point for us all. Sometimes we can feel guilty for enjoying the struggle. We can feel like we should really be living lives of ease without work and really, you know, just sitting around and having it easy. But that's not what we were made for. A human being was made to conquer the heights, was made to do things that are hard. We were made to achieve something that's bigger than us. Now, obviously we can enjoy life. Life is about enjoying, etc. But like life is about love, everybody. And love pushes us forward. And love makes us endure things that otherwise we would never choose to endure. A life without love is a tragedy. And it ends up imploding on itself because it cannot satisfy the human heart. But we who have a heart and want to live a great life, well, then we have to accept that endurance perseverance. Grit is an essential quality that'll make us successful at what we do and in our life as a whole.
0: Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www dot
1: st john leadership network dot org slash member and join for free today so if we started to ask the deeper questions we'd ask the question what where does grit come from what do i need to have if i'm going to maintain this fight in my spirit and i say that because burnout is a real thing burnout is something that many people go through and and going through it is not fun it can be very severe. It can leave lifelong effects in a person. It's like a scar that you carry even neurologically in yourself. Because burnout is, is a moment where you lost the drive and the energy to go forward. And so you can have little burnouts, of course, which is something you apply to this or that project or this or that job. But if we're not careful, those burnouts can go too deep and can actually cause a depression that can, that can work against who we are and redefine us in a way that's negative. So it's important that we, we discover what, what is it that's going to keep fight alive in me, drive alive in me, grit alive in me and enable me to be flexible and to constantly pivot. I mean, you have kids and that you think that that's a great success. Well, then your kids are struggling with drugs. Well, now what do you do? Well, yeah, that's going to that's gonna cause a huge pivot in your life. And you got to drop this or move this or change this in order to adapt the circumstances that you need in order to carry the project of the family forward, even when life threw you a curveball. The the root of all of that is this sense of determination that comes from ownership. And this is, of course, really capital that we learn how to teach this to our children. And it's something that we're not teaching our, our kids. And it's, it's, it's going to be to the detriment of our culture because ownership is where you look at your own identity, your own self as attached to what you are doing. And you can definitely have too strong of a sense of ownership. You could take it too far. You can make yourself responsible for things in a way that really can, can ruin your life. But I'm not talking about those. That's the exception. I'm talking about the rule. And the rule of ownership is to have a a beautiful sense of dignity, saying that my work is a reflection of me. And since my work is a reflection of me, I get to deploy my greatness, my talents, my thoughts, my my treasures of who I am at the service of a project. In other words, respecting proper degrees of separation and boundaries and all of that, but at the same time, to be engaged. It's something that we employers are so eager to find in our employees. Do you own this? Do you love this? Is this something that comes from you? And part of the reason why that's so important, and when you see that in an employee, you're almost sure to see that employee rise in the ranks and to take on more and greater responsibility in the organization. And why? Because you know that you cannot make a perfect plan. As one person once told me so beautifully, the most perfect plans are plans that can change. You know, like that, that is true. And what we need more than plans, even though plans are great, we need them, but we need more than plans are people who are able to readopt the plan in the given circumstances and not give up until this project reaches an accomplishment in the realities that are in front of it. For all of the greatness that it takes of looking forward and trying to map things out, the, the realism is leaders will bring success to an organization and plans are only as good as the people who are effectuating them. And so the real heart is to look in, inside of your people, look inside of yourself and look for that determination that I just call fight, that spirit inside of you that says, I am going to do this thing. And, and, and where is the root of that? Obviously it goes way back to their sense of self-esteem, to the way that you were reared as a child, to your own understanding of your history and your roots, which is why rearing children is so important and educating children is the future of our world because we're not just teaching them to jump through hoops of alphabets and how to read and how to count. It's something much deeper than that. We're teaching them how to persevere in a situation where flexibility is going to be required of them And to think with their own intelligence about how to bring victory to to any project that they've been given, any endeavor that they're in, because they will find a way. There's that quote that I like so much by Bruce Lee when he's talking about fighting. And Bruce Lee said, when you're fighting, you have to become like water. And it's a real eloquent example to become like water. And And I knew right away what that meant because I used to be an industrial roofer before I became a priest. And so I know that the thing about water, it's the number one enemy of a roofer. It's why we have roofs on buildings. It's because that water is going to come on down to that roof and it's got to get off of it and it will find a way. It's the most incredible thing. You could have a tiny little slit somewhere in that roof and the water will find a way into that, through that to reach its destination. Water is constantly moving in order to push the envelope, to push the surroundings out, and to find any crack or crevice that it can to reach its destination. And and Bruce Lee, what he's saying, when you're fighting, you have to be like water. And I'd say it's not just in fighting, it's in life. You have to be like water. Water will change, it will not be in the same shape twice. It will adapt to whatever reality it's in and take the shape of whatever's holding it, but it will always be pushing outwards, outwards and downwards. It has a set motion and then it makes itself so entirely adaptable to the surroundings that any flaw, any opening in those surroundings will allow the water out to pursue its course. And I think it's such a wonderful image for the business leader And for us who are in the professional world, to be like water means I am now in full flight. I have jumped into this project. I have started this endeavor. I have made this choice in my life and there is no going back. When Cortez, the explorer, arrived in the new world, he turned around and he burned his ship (laughs) so that to make sure that his men were properly motivated, right? There is no going back, guys. We can only go forward. There is no ship. There is no way home. Well, it's like that with our life. You can never go back in time. This day is to be claimed by God. This day, I need to live in love. This day, I need to make my stake in the ground as a Catholic and a Christian person in the world, right? This day. And so if I have that attitude, well, then I need to adapt to the day, find what the day is going to bring to me, and with a determined sense of self, utilize and leverage whatever I've got this day in order to achieve the mission for which I've been sent. And that is to glorify God the Father by my love and to show my love by effective choices and by living out my vocation in the world to the full. And thanks to Jesus and his grace, I can do that in good times and in bad in sickness and in health. I can do that at all times and in all places because by his grace, I've got grit.
0: Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at org. That's info at org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.